This is another thing about Utah. Utah, I don't know, maybe they do this other places. They do creative date asking. So like you have to do this very elaborate thing to ask someone on a date, especially to like a formal dance or something. So for example, I remember one of the times I went to homecoming, this kid wrote a song for me, he played the piano because of course Mormon. So like everyone is like an accomplished pianist. And so he wrote this song for me and like performed this concert and like asked me to the homecoming dance. In order to answer the kid, I was like, okay, yes. And he's like, no. This is unacceptable. You have to answer me in the creative way. Yeah. So I covered his entire dorm window with cheese and I wrote in easy cheese. This is cheesy, but yes. <laughs> but first, a word from our sponsors. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Audio Desires, an erotic audio platform dedicated to giving you the best oral sex you can have. With hundreds of sexy stories in three different languages and a sleek, user-friendly design, Audio Desires is the right fit to get you in the mood. Enjoy 50% off an annual membership or 20% off a monthly membership when you use promo code MANHOR at audiodesires.com. You know you've made it in entertainment or are on your way out when you're hoping dicks get and stay hard. Give your cock a natural performance boost with our sponsor, Joy Mode. No prescriptions, no drugs. It's just like a pre-workout, but for sex. Get 20% off your first order at usejoymode.com slash manwhore. Again, that's usejoymode, U-S-E-J-O-Y-M-O-D-N-E, and use promo code manwhore at checkout. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Bongiorno, buonasera, ciao. This is Brad Pitt from Inglorious Bastards, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Is that too old in a reference? Because it's just me, Billy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to your weekly slutty escape, to your, uh, your, your weekly sex-positive entertainment to distract you from the deterioration of society and rise of fascism. I'm not really exaggerating about the fascism. They're starting to say it out loud. Some of y'all ain't paying attention. Jesus, you know, there's, there's a dude who's running for a statewide office who literally is saying, I, I just think if I'm governor, we should make the Republican votes in future elections count more than the Democrat votes. No, really said that. These are real things happening. But hey, that's why we distract our things with things like, you know, hot, ooh, hot movie night. Yeah, last week, last Thursday night, we had our very first ever hot movie night in the champagne room with my Patreon members. Had a nice little turnout for that. Uh, we gathered together to watch the mm, adult film Deep Throat, a classic 70s uh, skin flick. 
with the absurd premise that there's a woman who's like not sexually satisfied, which could be anyone, could be my guest this week, Kate Kelly. We get into it. Uh, but this woman, uh, she's not sexually satisfied. And we know she's not sexually satisfying because in the 70s porn, they still cared about visual storytelling. So they have established that she's not like having a, um, a satisfying sex life in an orgy scene where we see her friend is having great sex over here and over here, she's not having great sex, but she is also still at an orgy. So I don't know how to marry those two concepts, but we see good sex, we see bad sex, and it turns out... It's bad sex because her clit is located, oh no, in the back of her throat. And you think it's just like an absurd premise and then you'd see like typical porn, but like the movie only got weirder. Like it just, it was an absurd premise that just got more and more absurd. There's a doctor who's very unprofessional and I think works in like someone's mom's basement. There's a nurse who's kind of a free use slut, but we never really established that. It was weird, and it, it was not at all weirder that I was watching it <laughs> with, with you, with the listeners, with my, uh, my loyal Patreon supporters. Uh, I was surprised it wasn't really the, like, hey, let's all jerk off together vibe that kind of can happen when I put my people together, when, when the peep show folks show up. Although then again, you know, half the people had their cameras and mics off, so hey, you know, I don't know what they were doing on mute. But it was a good time. Like, you know, the, the only rule I had was uh, no chit-chat during the dialogue because I'm trying to follow the story. But we had some uh, some fun conversations and commentary about the soundtrack during the sex scenes. It was a good time. We're definitely going to do it again next next month. I'm going to pick a movie with, um, let's just say, a lot more drama, a lot more tension, a lot more conflict. Folks, if you want to email the show with your comments, your questions, your queries, your criticisms, what have you, send me an email at manhorpod at gmail.com. You just may hear it on the show. Um, we know what happened. I imagine we all feel some version of the same way about what was announced on Friday with the you know overturning of Roe. I don't want to go on a big, long rant about it just because yeah, I'm preaching to a choir and I don't think that's necessary. Something tells me y'all show up each week for a distraction from that. So I'm going to try to be that. I will give you a warning. The rise of sex negativity. I think we're all seeing porn registries being proposed in places like Utah, multiple states declaring uh, porn a public health crisis. I think get ready if we do not have a right to some privacy from the government to enjoy pleasure with our meat bodies without causing harm to anyone else. I just get ready for op-eds about BDSM being abusive, about polyamory being adultery. First, you demonize, then you legislate. You demonize until you have enough drummed up public support from low information people that you can then pass the thing. And so if you don't want to get into political fights with people, well, speak up when they say some dumb shit like, oh, well, you know, BDSM is just abusive. You can't do what what self-respecting woman would want to be tied up in or slapped in bed. Don't let the public opinion be built by their bullshit. People saying, you know, porn is a health crisis. Shut it down and tell them there is no research to back that. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. I'm going to. Keep on keeping on with my slut shit and uh, hope, uh, <laughs> hope in 10 years it is still legal for me to, to be so explicit with my sex stories <laughs> on the internet. Who knows? 
That's why I rely on you, fine people. Oh, this is such a sleazy, gross segue. This is why I rely on my listeners <laughs> as a main staple in my business. So shout out to all of my Patreon supporters. Y'all keep this show going. You make it possible for sex positive content to be created. Because Lord knows the Facebook and Instagram algorithms of the world, the TikToks, they are not going to let us. So thank you, Nadine Shoe Booty. Hey, you know who you are. Thank you for your monthly support on Patreon. Yes, a fan whore appreciation moment. Oh, God, I'm worse than the DNC. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you, Nadine, for supporting the podcast. Hey, if your friends know, they know. Hope you're liking it smooth. You know what I'm talking about. If you want to support the podcast, receive your very own personalized kind of subversive shout out about waxing, then you should support the Man or Podcast and my work on Patreon. And you can become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. All right. Now for this week's guest, Kate Kelly. Um, this was this this episode was recorded last week on Tuesday before the ruling came out. Um, although she was wearing a a shirt that said like um, I will aid and abet your abortion, and I think she wore that in 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 anticipation that the Supreme Court could have announced it on that day. She's just like I'm just kind of like always ready for them to announce this bullshit. So she, <laughs> I was like, do you have like seven versions of the shirt? Just wear one every day till it happens. But uh, so, so that's why you're not going to hear us really talk about that, even though she is a brilliant legal mind who does a lot of work fighting for the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, which we do a Patreon bonus episode about. In this conversation, uh, you know, we're, we're really going into her Mormon background. I've been following Kate Kelly on Twitter for years. Love her work. Love uh, following what she's doing. Was thrilled to finally have her on the podcast. I think you're going to enjoy her too. Let's go chat with Kate Kelly, Esquire. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by AudioDesires.com, the Netflix of aural excitement. You know, I've been loving Audio Desires' uh, sexy stories. You know, I almost get overwhelmed by all of the options. Hey, orgasm control, femdom, JOI, exhibitionism even sweet stories of polyamorous love. Their sleek user interface is great for mobile when you want to just put yourself to sleep with your favorite reader's voice in your ears and your hand on your cunt or wrapped around your shaft. And now, Audio Desires has an exciting new partnership with the sex toy company Lovens. Lovens owners know that uh, you know you can sometimes sync your sex toy to your porn, and now Audio Desires is joining in the game. They've made it so you can sync some of their stories to your Lovens vibrator, so it hits you in the right spot when Sophia gets fingered by Susan in Not So Silent Night. It's going to vibrate in your ass each time Noah thrusts into Daniel. Yes, they have stories for every sexual orientation, every kink, every mood. And Audio Desires is hooking up my listeners with a very special offer. Um, it's actually kind of insane. Get 50% off an Audio Desires annual membership or 20% off a monthly membership with promo code MANHOR at sign up. Again, get half off on a massive library of stories to get you off for a whole year when you use promo code MANHOR at audiodesires.com. Look, we've all seen those pills behind the counter at the gas stations. 
horny goats and rhinos with boners, horribly branded erection pills. You don't know what's in them. They're not regulated. They got nasty side effects and can cause heart problems. I don't touch that shit. That's why I'm glad to be sponsored by Joy Mode, an all-natural, science-backed sexual performance booster. No headaches, no painful four-hour erections, no (laughs) blue tongue effect, if you know what I mean. I just stir it in a glass of water before a date like an electrolyte packet, and I've been getting better blood flow, firm erections, and an increased sexual drive. Joy Mode has been helping me, you know, fix the post-breakup blues. Well, that and therapy. So if you want to spice things up in the bedroom, boost your sexual performance, hey, maybe relax knowing you have reinforcements on the way. Do it naturally, without the nasty prescription drugs. Try Joy Mode's special offer for Fan Whore Nation. Go to usejoymode.com slash manwhore or enter promo code manwhore at checkout for 20% off your first order. Yes, that's usejoymode.com, U-S-E-J-O-Y-M-O-D-E.com slash manwhore. Better know how to spell that one for 20% off. Thank you, Joy Mode, for the better boners. Now let's get to the show. And who's the hottest Supreme Court justice? Uh, Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to say Sotomayor <laughs> for obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, slim pickings. It's slim pickings. It's between them two for you. And that's just, you know, poor Elena. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she doesn't really come out swinging in the same way. No, she doesn't. So. Not. We're, how anticipatory were you of this decision today that did not come? Like, what do I think is going to happen or when? I, I had a thought on that and then I heard the straw mm. clink because I'm not used to the metal straws yet. Dang it. Sorry. <laughs> this is all part of base, the basement podcast. <laughs> basement dispatches. <laughs> this is when, Well, when everything goes nuclear, like this is where you'll be podding from. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be amazing. Keep Stay tuned, everyone. Um, yeah. I don't know the decision. I feel two ways about it. One way, I feel like, okay, they've already, you know, the old adage, believe who they are when they tell you mm-hmm. who they are. And they've already leaked the draft, obviously. But then I'm like, also, I feel like they're just going to, like, pull, like, a bait and switch on us where they're going to, like, be like, it's going to not completely overturn Roe. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be like, you see how bad it could have been? It wasn't <laughs> that bad. So you should be grateful. It's very abusive. Exactly. <laughs> An abusive system, like, yeah, it just, it manipulates people. So that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Have you always had this stance on the issue with your uh, very LDSC background? Yeah, I mean, this is what people and systems often do is like, you know, with for example, with the Mormon church, it's like, I'm doing this because I love you. We're, it, you know, I had a trial and it was literally called a court of love. That's what it's called. Wait, what? Stop. <laughs> yeah. What? The- <laughs> they didn't cover that in Under the Banner of Heaven. I did not get to that episode, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so the trial is literally called a court of love. And what, wait, so what kind of trial is this? So I was... Like a church trial? Mm-hmm, yeah. So it's con- it's conducted by three men um it's a long story but if you're if you're charged as a woman 
it's conducted by three men. It's a pretty informal proceeding. If you're charged as a man, it's conducted by 15 men, three presiding, six speaking for, and six speaking against. The whole system is very obviously rigged, but it's always framed as a benefit to the person and is, who's is being oppressed. When you say charge, like for what kind of So I was stuff? charged with apostasy. Which is? It's really just whatever they want it to mean. <laughs> Um, but it's, they say it is, uh, like speaking ill of the Lord's anointed, mm. which means you're like challenging the leaders of the church. Oh, well, I mean, from your wiki, it seemed like you were quite the mouthy Mormon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it seemed to dig that too much. Not fans. Spoiler alert. It didn't work. <laughs> well, how, how do you, how do you come to be, how do you come of age with such like a strong, fucking opinion on anything in that from that culture yeah i well both of my parents are converts to mormonism so they met i'm so sorry about that um both of my parents are converts to the church they um met the missionaries when they were already married so they were young married people in college they met the mormon missionaries took the discussions and they got baptized like it does actually work (laughs) sometimes (laughs) And so, but they were not raised Mormon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think in some ways that made my experience different. Uh, For example, my mom was an attorney. She graduated from law school. She worked outside the home. Was she allowed to continue being an attorney? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she like, she balanced it in other ways. Mm -hmm. So she was like super mom in other ways. Like she made our clothes and she was really into scrapbooking and she did canning and you know all these different things quilting uh that mormon moms do so she kind of like tried to make up for her sinful career aka just being a lawyer (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh by kind of like excelling in the domestic realm as well Mm -hmm. and so you feel like they raised you with a little bit more sense of self Yeah, Um, my parents, you know, my dad, especially who was raised Lutheran, like, you know, taught us that we could be anything we wanted to be. Mm. He always encouraged me. He, you know, had me do internships. He wanted me to do whatever it is I wanted to do. So that was, I think, rare in the culture. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of just also who my parents are. They're very... They were very devout Mormons uh, because that's like what converts are. You know, they have this like convert zeal. They're like yeah. really into it. Yeah. It's like people who just joined CrossFit. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're all... telling everyone mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> here's my here's my referral link. Yes. <laughs> we got to get the matching clothes. All cults operate in the same way. <laughs> uh, and so, yes, they had this convert zeal, but they also encouraged us to like think for ourselves how dare they exactly how dare they well i'm here right now with the uh, very much things for herself uh, legal extraordinaire kate kelly everybody hello everyone thanks for coming on the show <laughs> thank you for having me yeah and so wait so what was it like being what was it like to be like a coming of age gal 
surrounded because I imagine you were surrounded like you were in a Mormon community. I actually grew up in Oregon, so I was not surrounded by other Mormons. Oh. I was the only Mormon in my school and in my friend group. So to you, you're just like, I'm doing Mormon the best out of anyone in my school. Yes. Yeah. I was the Mormon girl. I'm surrounded by heathens, so <laughs> it's okay if like we let me like have opinions. I'm like, I'm making it to heaven. I don't know about any of these other people. Uh, yeah, it was... It was <laughs> Mormons call it the mission field. Mm. So Mormons call it like... Anyone, anywhere that's not Utah okay. is the mission field, okay. which means you have to convert people. And so I was raised in the mission field and I felt like very special. Like being Mormon was a big part of my uniqueness or what made me me. Right. And then like when you stopped being Mormon, you got the glasses. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I've always had glasses. I was I No, want- <laughs> these, just, these are very distinct, wonderful glasses, but these are very much... The Thank like you. I picked these out. I did not get the ones that insurance is going to pay the whole amount for. <laughs> these are uh, what I realized. I was gonna I was gonna get LASIK surgery, but then I was like, oh wait, glasses can be a fashion item. And I was like, I'll just get seventy five pairs of glasses. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like in some ways it's funny because I did express myself. And try to make myself different when I was really immersed in Mormon culture. Like I went to Brigham Young University, which is, they call the Lord's University in Provo, Utah. And the only Mormon school, you know, big Mormon school. And so when I I didn't grow up being surrounded by Mormons, but then when I went to school, it was like I was swimming in a sea of, I think, 40,000. It's a very big school. Yeah. Uh, other young, enthusiastic, dedicated Mormons. So for like the first 22 years of your life, you're kind of always a fish out of water. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was, again, it's the thing that made me unique, which is ironic because Mormonism is such a like, <laughs> like a lockstep, like obedient yeah. group. <laughs> But for me, it's the thing that made me different than my peers and made me like stand out. Yeah. I didn't have any other Mormon friends and most of my friends didn't understand Mormonism. So what was it like to be like a high school gal uh, surrounded by heathen gals who you have to like kind of call friends? Yeah, yeah. Um, Gentiles, as Mormon w- Mormons call them, uh, which is another... <laughs> Anyway, Mormons are <laughs> really got some interesting lingo. Um, it was, I liked it because it made, again, it made me unique. Um, it, my parents, um, you know, I lived in Oregon. It was, it was a place with lots of different people and different opinions. And like Mormonism was like my thing that I did with my family and we went to church on Sunday and we had this like small group, you know, it's a very small congregation. And so like a lot more is accepted. They're a lot more flexible. It's like, we need everybody to just come. So like, if you want to smoke in between, you know, meetings or in the parking lot, or if you, whatever you have going on, like we just need you to come and like, we'll just accept you. Mm. And that's different in other places with Mormon majority population, right? Because they can uh, they can afford to expend. But we were like, we gotta <laughs> we gotta cover the tith over here. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And so, like, I mean, how did this affect your views on like dating and relations? It sounds like you were it wasn't as strict as what we're seeing in some of these new media 
projects are coming out. You know, I think some of us have been watching that the Amazon show, the, the Under the Banner of Heaven, and then mm-hmm. there's that new documentary out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it doesn't seem like you were raised in such a strict sense of that. So mm-hmm. what did your parents teach you about others? Um, I mean, again, my parents were converts, so it's important to remember that. Sure. But I wasn't supposed to date till in, until I turned 16. Okay. And then it was only group dating. And then when I went to college, my parents never told me b- this, but the explicit understanding at BYU is that women went there to find husbands and that's it. And like when you found a husband, you dropped out because right. then you had your purpose and you didn't need your degree. Um, they claim otherwise. Like they'll say, oh no, we... <laughs> there's Mormon leaders who say like women need to get degrees in case their husbands die. Like that's literally what they say. (laughs) Like you, yeah. If your husband dies or like, you know, is otherwise unable to, you know, be the breadwinner, then the woman would need a degree, but otherwise there's no reason. Uh, And so, yeah, when I got there, I was like, wait, this is not for me. (laughs) Like, You're like, I want to have a real job thing. This is not going to work. Like, I don't want kids. I don't want, this is not like, I'm not going to have a husband who bosses me around for eternity. Like, that's just not, I'm not signing up for that. Um, And um, my parents, that's not how they were. Mm -hmm. You know, they shared family responsibilities equally. My mother worked. Again, I think it was this funny clash where my parents and my home community were not as strict Mm. but then when i went to like the flagship (laughs) when i went to the mormon mecca i was like oh wait this is different yeah than i thought and that's not even (laughs) like talking about like say a dating culture this is simply like your purpose is to go have a husband and you're like i would like to do a little more but that is dating like if you're dating people at byu yeah the only point of doing that is to get married. And then what was your experience like dating in college? (laughs) I was like, because of this very, very strong pressure for very young girls to get Mm. married, I made a goal my freshman year not to go on any dates because I was like, not, I didn't want to get married. (laughs) I was like, you know, I'm 18. I don't want to get married. So I was like, that's it. I'm not dating anyone because they're all going to think a certain thing of me. And I'm like unwilling to do, you know, comply with that expectation. Also, you know, spoiler alert, I was also queer. So like I'm not dating anyone seemed perfectly fine uh, for a year in college. Like that seemed fine. I'd rather just like plan slumber parties with my dorm mates. (laughs) Did you know that about yourself back then? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. We'll get no. to that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so when you finally do start dating at BYU, like what's that experience like? Because you know you want to do things. And I imagine the guys you are meeting have an expectation when they meet anyone at BYU. Yeah, exactly. So I was always like, you know, if you're in, if you're a minority of anything in a very large institution, you find mm-hmm. each other. <laughs> and so... We were, you know, we found each other, these, this group of like Mormon misfits who, <laughs> you know, 
had progressive ideas, didn't want, didn't really fit the mold, didn't look like other people, yeah. didn't act like other people. So we kind of like found each other. What were some of the other misfits like? So like you were just yeah. like, I'm not into this whole having a kid and being subservient to the man thing. What yes. were some of the other misfits? Oh my God. I'm still friends with all of them. Um, and like none of us are Mormon anymore. Actually, I had one one holdout. I had one Mormon friend still from my BYU group, but she finally left. So <laughs> Um, I don't think I actually have any close friends that are still Mormon. And so it was like, you know, we'd meet each other. There was a club called Parody. It was okay. just kind of like a vague name for equality. <laughs> and we're like kind of secretly <laughs> oh, parody. Okay. parody. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, okay, we're all like, it was just, a little, it was under the radar. You know what I mean? Mm. Or like, um, you know, there'd be like service clubs or like Amnesty International, sure. like yeah. people who cared about human rights. Like those are the kind of the ways that we found each other. Sure. And then we were all just like, I don't know, wore, wore vintage clothes. And like, you know, BYU is actually a very, very fun place, especially if you're a Mormon kid, because no one drinks. Mm -hmm. So you don't feel left out. And everyone is kind of has the same... You know, I was in the way I was raised, I was the odd one out. Mm -hmm. When I got to BYU, I was like, everyone is just like me. Everyone believes my look me. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a freak. I don't have any, you know, limitations that no one else has. And so everyone is very, very creative. Like, mm -hmm. so we can't drink, we can't have sex, we don't do drugs, we like don't do any, we don't even watch rated R movies. You know what I mean? Like, we're very, very like wholesome teenagers basically no, no good fellas on campus <laughs> literally there's the also, biggest loss i thought of <laughs> there's also no um like you're not allowed to drink caffeine like these are like uncaffeinated right. like kids and so we all were very very creative like in order to have fun together you have to like do like do costume parties and like yeah go ice blocking which is like a thing where you what? like buy these big in the summertime you buy these big chunks of ice and slide down hills like you're sledding this is a thing sure in utah great <laughs> sounds like a blast it's called ice blocking uh as a pretty straightforward name but there's like there's this just like there's literally like tens of thousands of kids looking to have fun yeah with no substance and basically no naughtiness. Yeah. And so you're all just like doing creative shit all the time. And it's really fun. So what was like the most creative date you went on then? Oh my God. Also, this is this is another Utah. You're not thing. going out to get drinks. Oh no, of course not. Right. No, there's not any even any bars. There's no to get drinks. Like where's the Gentile you, drink? You, you can't. Surely there's a couple around. Not in Utah County. Like, Utah County, I think, is over 90% Mormon. Okay. So, like, I don't know if a bar would, like, survive. Um, and there was one at one point on Center Street, but I think it closed. Um, because, right. for obvious reasons. So, uh, yeah, like, this is another thing about Utah. Utah, I don't know, maybe they do this other places. They do creative date asking so like you have to do this very elaborate thing to ask someone on a date, especially to like a formal dance or something. Mm -hmm. So for example, you would like create a scavenger hunt 
and you would like deliver the note and then the person would go on the scavenger hunt and then they would find all these notes and then the end of it would be like a bouquet of balloons and you'd have to pop every balloon and then you'd find an answer and then the answer is like will you or the message is will you go to homecoming with me but then a person the other person has to answer with a creative answer Oh my so God, this is so extra. It's so extra, you have but no idea. Such a viral potential. <laughs> yes, I'm sure now. I mean, this was when, when I, I graduated in 2006. So Where was, was TikTok before, in 2006? It, it was Come before on. TikTok, thank <laughs> God. Um, but now, yes, exactly. So then, like, for example, I remember one of the times I went to homecoming, this kid wrote a song for me, he played the piano, because of course, Mormon. So like everyone is like an accomplished pianist. And so he wrote this song for me and like performed this concert and like asked me to the homecoming dance. And then in return, but I was very annoyed and I didn't want to ask. I'm from Oregon. I'm like, this is weird. I don't want to do this. So then in order to answer the kid, I was like, okay, yes. And he's like, no, this is unacceptable. You have to answer me in the creative way. Yeah. So then I decided, fine, I'm like, I'm, I'm begrudging him, but also I have to answer in this creative way. So I covered his entire dorm window with cheese and I wrote in easy cheese, this is cheesy, but yes. <laughs> so this is, this is what you have to do. This is what happens when we don't let college kids drink. This is what happens, what happens. when you have a city of 100,000 people who are virgins and don't drink. <laughs> nope. Exactly. Virgins. Okay. <laughs> I still don't believe most of that shit. I yes. I know too much is going on behind the scenes that they're not saying out loud. I don't know because like I don't know how it is these days. Kids are probably much more rebellious, but we were like psychotically earnest. We were like because when you Mormons believe that First of all, you have to do like very frequent interviews mm. with your ecclesiastical leader in order to stay enrolled at the university. Okay. So like some dude is like constantly interviewing you right. about like what you're doing. Never some lady. No, of course. <laughs> Hence the problem. Uh, so so you're constantly being interviewed and like interrogated basically about okay. everything. Like all the rules and the honor code and like your sex life, which doesn't exist basically. And so, and like masturbation, like Mm. everything, like an old man is like constantly, like literally like interviewing you in a room alone and like taking notes. And like, depending on those answers, you can be kicked out of school. If you get kicked out for masturbation, I feel like there's a little on you because like, um, you shouldn't get caught. No one else was there. But, (laughs) but the thing is. In your mind, God is there. Yeah. So like in your mind, it doesn't matter that you're, you have to tell the truth because God w- will know no and matter. You, and you thought God knew. Of course. Yeah. So like if you're a obedient, believing Mormon, it's like the guy will know no matter what you tell him uh-huh. because God knows and he works for God. You know, <laughs> he basically. He works for God. He basically. <laughs> God signs his paychecks. So. Yes. I mean, in this case, literally, if they, you know, professor at right. BYU, and it's the Lord's University, uh, the Lord is signing the paycheck. So, yeah, you don't actually have to 
it, it doesn't matter if someone else rats on you, which like is a thing at BYU. Mm-hmm. Like they have a thing called the honor code and like yeah. students can tell on other oh, students. My boarding school was like that. So I, I feel you. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. called Brothers Keeper. Ooh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> like that. And if you didn't do it, you then were also in trouble. Yes. <laughs> I, you were like an accomplice, a silent accomplice. I had a huge crush on a chick and then she like wrote me this like love poem. I was like, oh, I think finally someone's going to kiss me. Um, and, and then I found, she let me know that she fucked a guy and I was like, I like broke down cause I was like, oh no, I have to like get her to turn herself in or I have to turn her in and I, you know, high school love her. Uh, she's never touched me, but you know, <laughs> I do. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I remember like being in full tears in the woods, yes. like contemplating, do I turn her in? Do I tell her to, do I keep quiet? Oh my God. It fucks with your head a little yes. bit. When you turn like your fellow students into the police state. But in this case, you're turning yourself in because you, the person who's there in the room is God and God is going to whisper in this dude's ear what you did. So you might as well just confess because then you can repent and then it's, you know, it's less bad. So we were extraordinarily like earnest and Uh. truthful to like a crazy fault i think so yeah no one i knew was having sex okay including myself <laughs> <laughs> well the, i guess uh, what what when did you like find well I, I read that you had a husband yes i was married for a decade for a decade yes <laughs> i so mean the, i'm mormon like, so <laughs> so only until like in the last i don't know is x years yeah i got divorced in 2015 oh my yeah oh my yes I feel like you're still like semi like doing the world. Oh, I mean, that's it's amazing. Years. <laughs> it's so funny that people don't know this about me because it's, yeah, a decade is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Well, how'd you, how'd you meet him? At BYU. And then, and that, but he knew you were like, I'm not doing this child thing. I don't want to, I want to have a career. And he was cool with that. Yeah. Like he was part of this Mormon misfits group. Okay. And like, you know, pretty much a feminist as feminist as you can be as a Mormon man. Um, which is like a pretty big caveat, but yeah, so he, yeah, I didn't take my, his surname. I didn't like, he, I mean, I was planning on going to law school, yeah. which I did. Um, so yeah, he was the only reason I agreed to it, obviously was because he was supportive of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this might be my only chance <laughs> <laughs> to find a Mormon man who's like, cool, be a lawyer. Yeah. I'm, I'm up for that. Well then, how, I mean, how, how was the relationship? Was it? It was awesome, was it, on yeah. a, honestly. Um, really great person, and again, like you know, this is not a large group of Mormon men who are like cool. To, you can like keep your own right. last name and like be a lawyer and not have any kids, and I'm cool with it. Mm. So in that department, I think it was sort of like the lottery, you know. Um, and we like traveled the whole world together. We lived in Costa Rica. We lived in Kenya. We lived in Mexico. Like we lived in tons of different places and like had a lot of fun. We were, it was kind of like we were just friends. Yeah. Like very, very good friends. Well, I mean, when you say very, very good friends, you mean like, cause like very. Like, I mean, we were married. Right. So like there was also no escape. <laughs> um, but like we, like we didn't really have a, sexual relationship Uh not really i mean i didn't even know i was queer at the time i just like mormon women and and this is also i've now found out not just mormon women but almost all women who are in heterosexual relationships are like extraordinarily disappointed in their sex lives almost always yeah so like talk to any heterosexual woman yeah and she'll be like yeah sex sucks but that's just how it is and it's like oh 
well, you know, if you talk to other women, which is rare, especially in these like um, high demand religions, mm-hmm. that's like the the PC way of saying cult. So <laughs> high demand religion, high demand religion, as in like is the, like what the, the religion is in high demand. It, no, the or? religion demands a lot of you. Oh god, yeah, okay. Um, so high demand religions, aka cults. Um, there's like a lot of academic discourse about whether or not cults is an appropriate word. Sure. I think it is. Other people do not. Anyway, the point is in high demand religions, women don't have a lot of space to talk with each other, especially about taboo to- topics. And of course, mm-hmm. sex is universally a taboo topic. Yeah. Um, not just in cults. So, um, there isn't really a space to talk about it, but when you do talk about it, mm. everyone has the same experience. I remember we all had, we had this therapist, this like intimacy, yada, yada therapist. Like she specializes in Mormon relationships. Mm. She did her PhD on Mormon women and desire. She was like, you know, so we, I sought her out obviously. And I remember she accidentally one time, this is probably like a breach of protocol and like mm. her ethical standards. She accidentally sent an email out unbcc to everyone who sees her mm-hmm. advertising some class or workshop or something. And I was immediately, of course, like, like scanning, scanning, <laughs> scanning. And they're like, everyone I know is on this list, yep. which means everyone I know has mm-hmm. intimacy problems, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's not just me. It's literally everyone I know. And so, and then when you start talking about it, it's like, it almost normalizes it in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this isn't our problem. It's just universal. It's a problem that's <laughs> out there. It's a problem that everyone has. And so then you're like, oh, okay it's not that bad, you know, yeah. it, it almost normalizes it in a way. So yeah, I would say you go from like suffering in silence to normalizing it to being like, Oh wait, no, there's another is, way. There's another way. Then the other way obviously comes from talking to secular people mm. and like people outside of this like tiny world. Um, but that doesn't happen for most people for a very long time. Mm. And what was that experience like for you when you got to get there? I would say, well, first of all, that is not why I got divorced. Sure. <laughs> um, I probably would have just been like, I'm asexual forever sure. or Even, whatever. I mean, like, separate from like the divorce stuff, just the idea of like, uh, when you find out that there is another way, yeah. I, I gotta imagine is like a big feeling and, and yeah, I feel like for me, so I got divorced for many reasons. One of them is the excommunication and like, you know. Okay. When I was excommunicated, one day I was Mormon, and, like, literally the next day I was not. And, like, everyone in the world read about it in the New York Times. You know what I mean? Including, like, my (laughs) in-laws. Why was your excommunication (laughs) in the New York Times? It was, like, a very big story at the time. Um, And, like, because it had been so rare for Mormon women to, like, you know, organize a protest and demonstrate at the mm. priesthood session in downtown Salt Lake. Like and this, I had a great publicist. And so, you know, it's I didn't even know what a publicist was. Um, but we were just like sincere, you know, trying to do our best. Yeah. And like this really appealed to people because mm-hmm. they were like, whoa, holy shit. Like Mormon women are rising up. Like, wow, this is like, you know, yeah. the next level. So, um, so it became this huge story. And, my in-laws read about it in the New York times and yeah, I just like it placed me from into the other category immediately. Like, 
I was Mormon and then I was like really, really not Mormon. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I was exiled. I was an apostate. I was like out, out, out. And that, you know, you basically have to build from scratch. Like you just, you have to rethink everything in your life. Yeah. You have to, in my case, literally buy new underwear because Mormons wear these special. Well, you had the special underwear. Yes, of course. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Wait. So did you did you have to like go shopping and be like, why this looks painful to wear? Did yeah, you... <laughs> totally. I went to Nordstrom Rack. I still remember this, and I was like, because it was like closest to where I was or whatever. Um, and I was like picking out underwear. I'd never bought regular people underwear as right. an adult. And so I had this like, you know, Mormon, Mormon garments are like to your knee, basically like white bike shorts. Yeah. So they're to your knee, which is weirder for women than men. Mm -hmm. And then it's a, like a cap sleeve t-shirt that you wear under a regular t-shirt. So it's like t-shirt, it's like from shoulders to knees, you're completely covered. Yeah. And so that makes them very bulky. (laughs) (laughs) So I like put them all in a garbage bag. Literally, I like put them in a garbage bag. I think two garbage bags. Honestly, they're very bulky. So and like, but they're also expensive. So I was like, I'm going to appeal my conviction. So I was going to like take them out to the trash. And then I was like, oh, if I win my appeal, which, you know, again, this is just like my eternal optimism. I was like, if I win my appeal, I don't want to have to buy new underwear. (laughs) So I like took them back inside and I put them under my bed. Um. But then I had to buy new underwear. So right. I like go to Nordstrom Rack and I'm like looking through the underwear. And again, this was like at the time a very big story, especially in Utah. Yeah. And I was recognized immediately. So like people started coming up to me and being like, oh, like, hey, I heard what happened. And I'm like holding underwear. <laughs> like secular underwear. Ah, I thought just like wanting to die. <laughs> like I just want to die. <laughs> and so... I had a friend with me and I was just like, let's just get this pack or whatever. You know, I just like grabbed some pack of something and I'm like, I got to get out of here. This is just like excruciating. Um, But yeah, it's like that experience, but for every aspect of your life where you're like, what does a regular person do? Like for fun or life or like anything or what do they eat? What do they do? Where do they live? How do they, you know? In some ways, I was a little bit insulated. I was an attorney. I, like, had a career. I had gone to school. I knew secular people, obviously. Right. Um, but I wasn't one of them. Yeah. And so it was a question of, like, complete... I call it dismantle and rebuild. So it was, like, this phase of, like, completely dismantling everything so you can build a new structure of your life and mm-hmm. who you, and your identity. And so, yeah. Then one of those I, things is a marriage. Yes. One yeah. of those things is the marriage. So then I'm like, wait, why are we together? Like, we met at BYU, we got married in the temple. Really the only thing we, or one of the strongest things we had in common is that we were both Mormon, Mm -hmm. and I'm not anymore. And so we didn't have anything. Like, we, when we dismantled, it was like, oh, there's nothing to rebuild. Traveling's kind of fun, but I don't know if we need to, like, have a full relationship based on it. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so we got divorced, um, and then I was dating, Again, for the first time since I was a teenager. And what the fuck was that like? It was insane. I didn't know what apps were. What, I was, the fir- what was the first date you did? Oh, my po- God. Like, post-Mormonism. Um, and by the way, just real quick, like, are you still believing in your in the Heavenly Father, like, uh, during that excommunication? No. 
for me, it was like a real, it was like ripping off a Band-Aid. Okay. Because the church revealed itself to be like very violent and punitive and all these things. But for me, it was like a lot of people that takes like years, if not decades to unravel. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like ripping off a Band-Aid. Like, like, oh, shit. Like, this is all a lie. And the like, basically everything I believed was a lie. (laughs) Which is excruciating, but it didn't take decades. You know, like, it's a really hard, short amount of time. But then you come out of it, I think, easier. And that's being raised with as soft a touch of religion as, I guess, Mormon. It sounds like as Mormonism could have gone. Yes, yes. And even then, it's still so... Mm. in there it's well and i was i didn't know anything else right my parents were converts but i was raised mormon yeah so i didn't know anything else i didn't know any other way of being or any other community yeah um i had also at this point served a mormon mission so i had also converted other people Mm -hmm. to join mormonism which is anyway there's a whole we could talk a lot about mormon missions (laughs) but the point is the main point of Mormon missions is to convert the individual, not the other people. Sure. Um, so that you double down so hard on the belief system and you double down so hard on the community and you see everyone else as an outsider because you're constantly being rejected because yeah. it's truly insane to walk up to a stranger and be like, do you, <laughs> do you believe in Jesus and do you yeah. want to join my church? Um, so you're facing constant rejection and that builds a sense of like the only people who will accept me truly um, are my people. Right. And so you, that you spend two years indoctrinating yourself. Um, so I had been through that and, and so, yeah, it's a very difficult, it's just like, it's just like the weirdest thing you could go through (laughs) is like, I can't even describe it. It's like going to another country. It's yeah. like going to another country and like learning new customs and the grocery store is totally different. And like, you, you don't understand people and the language is different. And like, you don't have a shared background. Yeah. Like you didn't watch the same shows growing up. You didn't like, you have almost nothing in common with people. You know, yeah. it's interesting and cool, but then it's also very like, there's a lot of culture shock and like, um, sorry, this is my sister. Sure, sure. Um, it's like, it's just alienating. So, um, yeah, that's how I don't, what was the first date I went on after? So I was, I got divorced and like, kind of started like, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is common, but you like kind of reconnect with people you knew mm. from before, okay. like other ex who, who did you have from before? Like just the misfit group? Yeah. So like, you know, I, uh, went on a couple dates with a guy I had dated in college who mm. had now left Mormonism um, I like met this man who I eventually ended up dating for a long time, three years, I think, um, a number of years, let's say, uh, <laughs> you're not under oath. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm a lawyer. I'm like, how exactly long was it? Um, yeah. So I ended up dating this guy who I met through a friend basically, right. like who was, who ran a like Mormon satire website. It was basically like the onion, but for Mormonism. Oh, that's a good fit for you, like, you know, getting out the church, crack yes. some jokes on it together. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Were you shocked by the sexual culture that was existing around you? I don't know if I was shocked. I mean, I, like, watched movies, and, sure. like, I knew what other people did. And I think the thing I was sh- that was very jarring was it was almost like I was an adolescent. Mm-hmm. Like, I hadn't, 
learned conversations about consent or like boundaries or like pleasure because I mean that sounds like a standard American experience. Of course. <laughs> but I'm instead of being 18, I'm 30. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and I hadn't learned that through any other way or any other time and I also didn't have sex when I was dating. Right. <laughs> so the first first and only person I had set, had had sex with was my husband after we were married. So you didn't even seem too wild about that. <laughs> no, no. But again, that's like literally right. every woman I knew. So I was like, okay, this is a universally terrible experience. Yeah. Um, and so, and of course it's a universally terrible experience. You're taught like it's, it's bad, 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 horrible. You're going to hell. It's the worst thing you can do. Blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, on our side, they're like, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. But then, you know, all you have to do is stick it in and it does that is enough to feel great. Like it can always be better, but the bare minimum on our side still is pretty dope. <laughs> it's like, right? like exactly. If, like if I'm going to have the worst sexual experiences, there's still like people ask like often they'll be like, are there bad blowjobs? I'll be like the worst blowjob aside from it being bitten off. Aside from an injury, the worst one's pretty great. Like, right. It, it still it can, accomplishes <laughs> the goal. Uh, and is a pleasurable experience for men, but also, like you said, that's all, that's right. our entire culture, not just Mormonism. Yeah. But I think Mormonism is like this really, really exacerbated, mm. like extreme anti sex culture. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an anti sex, anti coffee cult, basically. <laughs> anti sex, anti coffee, <laughs> the two worst things. <laughs> and were you, were you only dating men coming out of Mormonism? Yes. Yeah. So I was. So dating... you, are you still not even cognizant no, to yourself? No, 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 no. Like, not at all. Because I never, I was never like, and this is a very like, I've now come to learn this is a very like gay man thing. Like being very, I thought coming out was like, you're, you felt torture your whole life. You only, since you were three years old, you only <laughs> ever wanted to date men. Like da, 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 da. you knew you were gay since you were in kindergarten. And like, finally you came out and like, da, and I'm like, okay, well that's not my experience. Mm -hmm. So like, I must not be gay. Um, and like now I realize, oh, that's because male narratives dominate all of our culture, including LGBTQ in the LGBTQ community. And that's actually not the experience of most women. And that's why we don't realize a lot of times that we're queer. So yes, I was dating men and I was like, man, I thought it was Mormon men, but it's just all men. They're like <laughs> so shitty. <laughs> and so I started, I moved to New York and I started dating other men and I was like, Oh wow. No, this is just, all of you are terrible people. Terrible. Um, better dressed in New York, but terrible. Better <laughs> dressed, but equally, if not more terrible. Um, and like, oh, I just, you know, dating in New York is like such a thing. But it's just like really insufferable men who are like, even like woke men are like, oh, yeah, I'd never really considered women's rights before. I'm just really into immigration reform or whatever. I'm like, oh, cool. So 50% of the population you don't give a shit about? Great, cool, very woke. Um, wait, wait, was that considered woke? Yes. Oh, yeah, this is like a civil rights attorney, like very prominent person. Okay. Um, oh. Who like is their entire persona and job and work is to like, you know, fight for the rights of other people, but okay. doesn't know anything about women's rights or gender equality. Okay. This is common. And then I was like, oh, all men are terrible. It's yeah. not just Mormon men. Like, it's all men. 
It's like you think when you get out of Mormonism, you think you're leaving this island. <laughs> like you think you're like, oh, great. I'm leaving patriarchy. <laughs> like good riddance, you know, and you sail yeah. off and then you arrive in New York City and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like that here, too. Um and so you realize everywhere is patriarchy. It's just patriarchy with different choreography. Yes. <laughs> and diff- different outfits and different underwear. So, yeah. So I finally, I'm dating in New York, yada, yada, long story short. I'm like, all right, this is my chance. Like, who knows? It basically, my partner, Jamie, <laughs> just like when I describe it like this. Um, And it is more complicated than this. But basically, I made a political choice. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am going to date women. Because this is my affinity group. These are people I care about. These are the people I admire. These are the people, like, I'm just going to date women. And, like, I don't know if I'm queer, but I also don't not know. Like, I have Mm -hmm. no, my entire scaffolding of my life did not eliminated that possibility right. entirely. So I'm like, how do I know? Like, mm-hmm. maybe I am, and I just don't. I've been so indoctrinated that it never even occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, as you can tell by now, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a person who's like really, really committed to authenticity. So I mean, I could very much tell which <laughs> building was yours. Uh- <laughs> so I'm like, all right, we're doing this. Um, so I just. And, I, and you're doing this being like, I don't even know if I'll have sexual attraction, oh, but yeah. at least I'll have a better time on the date. And also I'll I'll know if I it's a possibility. Right. Because until you try, it's like how unless you like I don't know. I mean, it, I've had many a man in the West Village give me that argument. Uh <laughs> how do you know unless you haven't tried? <laughs> how do you know unless you haven't tried? Um and for me, I was like, again, it, it's not I'm just I'm not just a normal person. I'm raised in like a very, very homophobic cult like from birth and so it's not like i was like oh open to it and like you know interacted with gay people out gay people growing up and like knew you know i didn't have any of that Mm -hmm. so without like giving it the college try (laughs) i had no way of knowing um if i was queer or not so i just i literally like switched the apps i just switched it over what did you switch to or did you switch the preferences on i switched the preferences to women and I made some little, like, I had my friends help me write my thing. Because I'm like, <laughs> I also need, to, and also, like, all my friends are gay, of course. Because, like, sure. that's just queer people <laughs> find each other, even if they don't know they're queer. Um, hello, everyone. If you, all of your friends are queer, you probably are, too. Um, uh, so well, I got to go journal. <laughs> uh. um, so I had my friends write my, help me write this little profile. And I was, cause I also don't want to like trick people that I like know what's going on. I have no idea. So I think I wrote this thing. I think my friend, Sarah, who's the director of equality Wyoming, um, wrote this thing for me. Oh, sorry. She wrote this thing for me that, um, I think it said like, I was raised something about how I was raised to believe certain people fit at the table, but I'm trying to see if I can't write. It was beautiful. It sounds very beautiful for a Tinder bio. It was beautiful guys. (laughs) Believe me. Um, and so basically I said like, I'm just coming out and like figuring myself out. And Mm -hmm. if people want to join me at this table do. And then of course, cause they're little chair, little chair emoji. (laughs) Let me pull the seat out for you. Come join me. 
Oh my God. So, so many cute lesbians are like messaging me. You know, I don't know. I think I dated like every lesbian professor in Manhattan. <laughs> How did it feel to get all that attention? Oh, so great. And also, women are wonderful. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, and like also, but the problem was, I also didn't, I didn't, I was very used to heterosexual everything yeah <laughs> and so i didn't know like who paid who did things who like made the first move who made the plans who did the, like i don't know any of these things I went, my jamie when my partner jamie and i went on our first date i forgot that she followed on me, me on twitter and i tweeted i will never get used to going to the same bathroom as my date because you like oh. you you know we're at the met and we like walk into, I'm like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, I have to go too. And then we walk into the same bathroom. <laughs> I was like, this is terrifying. Um, so anyway, I got over it. <laughs> Dear reader, I got over it. But uh, yeah, I think I just switched into my mind. I started dating women. And, but I just like, one woman, I went on like nine dates with her and I never even held her hand. And I'm like, are we just friends? Are we just like going to the RBG mm. movie and shopping together? Like, I don't really, I don't get this world. Yeah. Like, I don't understand it. And all my friends are like, you're not gay. Yeah. Like, da, 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 da. Um, you're just, you just want to be gay. And I'm like, maybe, but like, <laughs> I don't know, you know? So anyway, I finally had sex with a woman. God bless her. And <laughs> it was not my partner, my current partner, another woman. Um, because I was going on lots of dates with lots of people because I right. didn't know, you and know. New York City is New a very York City. fluid and actual fluid city, you know. Beautiful people, on. very smart. Like I said, every every lesbian professor in New York. And, you know, I go to I went to the Dyke March for the first time and I okay. literally had been out for like five minutes. I saw like <laughs> seven people I had gone on dates with. I was like, what is this? Yeah. This town is so small. It's like the entire app on one block. Yes. <laughs> it's like they're all in line outside a cubby. You know? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, hello, everyone. Nice to see you again. Um, of course, I'm nice and everyone is nice to each other because we're lesbians. But um, so, yeah, I started. Um, I don't know. I just changed. Yeah. And then I was like, this is awesome, obviously. <laughs> And <laughs> this sounds so dumb, and it probably is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Mormon, so I like believe in signs, you know. But like <laughs> the first time I had sex with a woman, I was like, "Oh yes, yes, this is the this is the place." As Utah um. State song goes, um, like that's what Brigham Young said when he got to Utah. He looked out on the valley and said, "This is the place." Uh, Did he sing it? Probably. No. <laughs> he's Mormon. <laughs> so he's like campy and like uh, campy and queer. Nice. This is the place. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to work. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she was great. And we're still friends. But of course, again, lesbians. Right. Um, helped you move in. Uh, uh, helped me move yeah, in. Yeah, I'll get the backside of the couch. Um, Congrats on the place, you two. <laughs> she anyway, actually, that person I told that person about Jamie, my current partner, and she was like, oh, yeah, I think she's the person for you. And I was like, what? That's so cute. And she's like, you talk about religion so much. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie is a theologian. She went to Yale. Yeah. She got a divinity degree. Like, she's obviously, you know, she she's a, we actually met at a women's ordination conference yeah. in Philadelphia. So, 
Yeah. The original girl was like, I think this other person is the person for you. So she to- she like encouraged you to yes. ask her out or yes. go on a date? So yes. you, you, you reached out, you asked her out? We had So Jamie reached out to me and we had met at a conference. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and I say yes to everyone, as you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure. So Jamie reached out to me and said, oh, I see you're in New York. Because I came out on Twitter and I yeah. just said I'm queer. Because it felt weird. Like people, eventually I was going to end up dating someone and no one knew that I was queer. Uh-huh. And I'm Mormon, so I'm very like earnest at all times. You're also like a public personality at that yes. point, right? Like, yeah. you, you know. So I'm like. I, I was I was probably following you at that point. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it was it feel, before we get into Jamie, it's like, what's it yes. feel like to to tweet almost like, because t- Twitter is like a, you know, uh, a press release. It's the modern yes. day press release. Yeah. So what's that? Like to hit enter on that and know that that's out there and it don't really come back. It felt great because, again, I'm like so committed to authenticity. I'm like, everyone must know everything at all times and I have to be 100% authentic at all times. Yeah. I've since dialed that down a little bit and decided like, oh, difficult, right? There are yeah. things that I can keep to myself, you know, like where <laughs> I live and what I do. And um, so... Yeah, it felt great. I just said I'm queer. That's all I said. I was like, ah, I'm. I could have this whole treatise, but like, also, people don't need to know and probably right. don't care. So, uh, do you yeah. have any concerns about like backlash from the before times from family? From well, my family is not on Twitter. That's why I came out on Twitter because I was like, my mom will never see this. <laughs> sure, but I mean, like, you're also um, like, being so public. I imagine it's yes, going to get back to her as opposed to you had 200 yeah. followers, you know, yes. on a private account. Yes. So. <laughs> Yes, it did get back to her, but I had like a chance to get some feedback from other people who were very encouraging before I came out to my parents, Mm -hmm. which was nice. Like immediately, like someone sent me a dozen rainbow roses. People like like friends were very, very encouraging. And also like I feel like this happens with a lot of queer people, if not all queer people. You're like, I'm queer. And they're like, yeah. Duh. <laughs> like, oh, it's like my friend Andrea who says, like, yeah, Bailey, I know you're autistic. We don't have to do this test. Um, like, yeah. you just know. So, yeah, I think a lot of people were probably very unsurprised mm-hmm. at this development. I was probably the most surprised. <laughs> Is there a reason why you use the word queer and not say lesbian? So I'm in a lesbian relationship, mm-hmm. but I I identify as, like, pansexual. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I say queer. Just, like, umbrella term. Okay. When I was dating men after I got divorced, I did enjoy sex. Okay. So, like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I can do this. Like, you know, this is a, this is pleasurable. Diff- Although, different from when you were with the ex-husband. Yes. Yeah. Mm. We just, like, never really had any chemistry. Okay. But I also, like, didn't have anything to compare that to. Right. Naturally. So I'm like... I was young when I got married. I'd never had sex with anyone else. I was raised in an anti-sex cult. Like, you know, so I'm like, maybe this is just how it is. And it turns out, no, that's not how it is. I just, we didn't have any compatibility. We had no way of knowing that before we were already married. Uh, And like, you know, heads up kids, have sex with anyone before you marry them. (laughs) Please. Uh, Please, please, for the love of God. A few times, at least. (laughs) Please. I beg of you. Please. Um, But... Yeah, so I had sex with other men and, like, you know, enjoyed it. 
Not like a ton, honest. You know, I was like, I'm gonna have my slut phase, and it lasted like two weeks. But two still, because you're like, this, it's not that great. Uh, no. <laughs> they are still men. Sure. Uh, so it's okay. I just want. I don't think anyone's gonna take away your feminist credentials if you did enjoy sex with a man once. Oh <laughs> no, totally. That's why I say queer and not lesbian because I feel like it's important that like you know people be authentic. So yeah, I. But I am in a lesbian relationship, so okay. that's fine too. Okay. Cool. And then you, and so, so you find, so you asked out Jamie. Yeah. So we went out for, she said, do you want to grab coffee? And I was like, oh, it's an ordination lady. I didn't like look her up. I just Mm -hmm. was like, sure, I'll go to coffee with some lady I met at an ordination conference. So I get there and, uh, it's, we go to this, uh, patisserie in lower Manhattan. And I was like, oh, the ordination lady is a hot lesbian. Okay. <laughs> Who's my age? You know what I mean? Like, in my Wait, mind. how do you know? Wait, is that, is that, did I miss something? Is the place you all went to something else? No, it was just like, I thought she was meeting up for coffee to talk about work stuff. Right. But like, what made you, what made you go like, oh. When I saw her. Like, oh, I walked okay. in and I saw her and I was like expecting, she's also Catholic. I don't know. I was expecting some like, like nun just, or something. Oh, you had you not, wait, I thought you said you had already met. <laughs> we met, but like I was a, speaking at a conference. Okay. And so there's like hundreds of people and like. You met, there's a card exchange, but whatever. And yes. then, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And so she was following up with me. And when we met, I was also married to a man. Oh. And so okay. she's like, all right. She's, the way she describes it is, I was very committed to my heterosexual lifestyle. Um, so she's like, all right, that girl's got places. She needs, she's got time. She needs to figure out her thing. Um, so we met briefly at this conference. And then years later, after I came out, she was like, oh, hey, we met at this conference. And I was um. like, oh sure but i didn't remember sure meeting her clearly you didn't do a good like google stalking before no you really didn't know how to do this dating thing once you got out of it <laughs> i didn't know it was a date <laughs> you're supposed to check the social you're supposed to check the google history <laughs> i didn't know it was a date i thought we were just talking shop so i get there and i'm like oh okay okay <laughs> And so we, of course, talked for hours, and and then I said, "Do you want to go to this poet, this queer poetry event with me at the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Museum?" And is on- that your way of testing? Be like, "This is a day." Yeah, I said on Thursday, and she said, "Thursday is tomorrow." <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> so the next day, we went on an actual date uh, to the Brooklyn Museum. Fantastic. What was the first thing that stood out to you about her that you were like, I'm into this? She's hot, honestly. <laughs> um, first of all, she's hot. She's very, very much my type. Um, she's like butch woman, like in- impeccable haircut, like very well dressed. Mm-hmm. Like she's Italian, so she's beautiful. Um, yeah. That's honestly, this is very <laughs> does shallow. A, does she have a personality trait you enjoy? <laughs> this, I'm just this curious. This is very shallow, but she was hot. I mean, look, um. my dad has been with people just because they're hot too, so I get it. It's, uh, it's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's also brilliant. So mm-hmm. we like, you know, immediately have like everything in common. Like she and I, she's, she's part of the women's ordination movement in the Catholic church. Right. Um, you know, when we introduce people in Utah, I introduce her, I, they say, oh, she's the, she's the Kate Kelly of Catholicism. Yeah. (laughs) And she says, no, she is the Jamie Manson 
of Mormonism. <laughs> I like that swagger. <laughs> Which is, of course, so Catholic. Yeah. You know, um, because they are a church with billions with a B, and we are a church with millions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a very, very, very different uh, setup than, than I was raised with. But I imagine coming from like uh, such entrenched religious backgrounds like there's a lot you two could compare oh, and contrast course. yes yeah. and we still do every day like we you know take a seven hour road trip and there's like no pausing for talking no podcast no music we're just like blah, 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 you know the entire time and i also make her answer you know those like question lists like 32 questions fall in oh, love like da, 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 da. i thought so much higher <laughs> of you than that no i'm obsessed with those questions i like find those lists all the time and i'm like okay tell me about the worst day of your life okay like da, da, da. <laughs> and she's like i hate these and, I, and then she just answers them all she gets really into it but um yeah one time we went to fire island this is like classic this is such a classic we went to Fire Island and I we're like finishing the quiz because I'm like, it's a trip. So I'm making her do a quiz mm-hmm. and we're walking down, you know, the planks and Fire Island, like the sidewalks are made of planks. And this I'm like, OK, it's like question 32. And I'm like, all right, tell me about the worst day of your life and why. And then this like sea of abs, like these like <laughs> huge, like 30 gay men in Speedos come down. And this guy like looks over and he's like, yes, bitch. Yes. And I'm like, wow, the difference between lesbians and gay men personified i have not been the fire island to avoid <laughs> such things because my body dysmorphia cannot handle watching 32 men with abs approach a sea no of thing abs. you can't do it can't a do sea it of abs. all right i'll stick to i'll stick to gunnison there's a lot more bodily diversity <laughs> at that nude beach than fire island um so i'll try to stick to there <sighs> and and uh, on the horizon uh how long y'all been together what i'm like three-ish yeah mm-hmm. yeah i would assume three yeah years. okay yeah wow yeah. so most of your relationship has been locked in oh yeah totally covid we yeah we moved in because uh i'm gonna say covid and not lesbians but uh yeah covid made a lot of people lesbians of course (laughs) it's like i might as well be living with this person since i can't go anywhere else Mm. um yeah but we bought a house together now and yeah is marriage a thing um in y'all's timelines you think yeah that's something y'all would even want i take it she hasn't been married she has not been married um tbd uh i've already been married once um i don't know i feel like good about where we're at Mm -hmm. but like why not you know i love a party she's catholic so she takes it very seriously you know she's like what if we get divorced what if we da 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 what if we da 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 i gotta write to the pope yeah exactly and i'm just like girl we can just get divorced it's fine it's not a big deal you you don't understand my people we the big guy with the funny hat he's got to really approve they really take divorce seriously Mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't know everyone thinks we're already married because like Literally three months into our relationship, I made her take a very extensive photo shoot in the desert where we were like dressed up. (laughs) And so... We come back to that Mormon creativity. (laughs) Exactly. Sorry, we can't drink. We can't fuck. We can't do anything fun. So like, let's go in the desert and put on costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's who I am. Um, And I don't, she agreed to do it. I'm shocked still to this day. So we have like a lot of professional photos. So people are like, oh yeah, your wife. I'm like, I know why you, it's reasonable that you think that we're Mm -hmm. not married. Um, In fact, an ex of hers is like 
was like back dating and she's like, you must have been dating her for so long because like, and it had only been like, it was like two and a half months, honestly. And she's like, I don't know how to explain this to you. This girl is not like most people. And we took a professional photo shoot two months into our relationship. I know that sounds like a lie, but it is not. <laughs> well, it sounds like a, a magical fun type of thing to be in um, and good for y'all too. Uh, Kate, do you have um, maybe like an extra 10, 20 minutes? I had two things, topics I was curious about. Um, the, the, your passionate ERA, um, and the, the whole, the childish, childless by choice, um, angle is something I know a lot of people can relate to, but don't get talked about a lot. And maybe I could ask you a little bit about that if you're into it. Yeah. All right. So Patreon people, we're going to do a little bonus episode. You'll hear that tomorrow. Uh, but for now, Kate, uh, where can people go to find you? You have a great podcast yourself and a book, same name, easier Google searches, uh, ordinary equality. Yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's Kate underscore Kelly underscore ESQ, which is annoying. I didn't know about underscores and how annoying they were when I made that handle. I apologize. Um, and my book is Ordinary Equality. Same same with the podcast. Yeah. And, and the podcast is about? The podcast is about the Equal Rights Amendment. And uh, right now we're doing a season about abortion. Uh, very timely yes. as you are wearing a i will aid in a bet abortion t-shirt <laughs> currently uh, which i jokingly before we started i was just like so do you just like wear that every decision morning just in case <laughs> and i'm like no i just have seven <laughs> <laughs> okay this is very fun uh patreon people will see you tomorrow but i want you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody thanks everyone thanks for having me <laughs> Folks, we've got a great bonus episode coming out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon. We're getting all up in the Equal Rights Amendment, talking about what it is, the history of it, and how it will better and change your lives if we can finally get it ratified. All my $5 and up members will hear that tomorrow, and you can gain access to that bonus episode as well as over 200 bonus episodes. When you become a member at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Folks, what did you think about this week's episode? We'd love to know in the champagne room. Introduce yourself today and share your thoughts on the show at manhorpod.com slash discord. Or you can shout out Kate and I on Twitter or Instagram. Don't forget to tag us. She is at Kate underscore Kelly underscore ESQ. I am at the Billy Presida on Twitter. I'm at Billy is Presida on Instagram. Or you can always share your thoughts via email at manhorpod at gmail.com. Um, I got I to gotta whip this bad boy together and upload you before I get picked up to go to the airport in a couple of hours. I was about to try to say I'm going to Italy, but I am... Uh, all of a sudden blinking on how to do the first person of uh, va. So I go a uh, Italia. Gosh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> uh, I'll be sharing in my Instagram stories plenty on the trip. If you want to go uh, follow the adventures over there. Is it pathetic if I'm like hoping that wallet note lady is watching? Maybe a little bit. But some, uh, some optimistic, hopeful delusion is... Uh, well, it's been more comforting than accepting that, like, that's over, right? I mean, like, 
I think it would be harmful if I didn't know I was deluding myself, but like, I know I'm deluding myself. I'm choosing the blue pill. I spent the entire lifetime of like being obsessed with objective fact and truth and honesty and what's reality. And now I'm just like, no, I want to remember what a steak tastes like. Give me the blue pill. I don't want to have to like murder my friends in the process. I just, I just want to feel good for a little bit. Is that all right? Is that too much to ask? Post breakup blues, everybody. <laughs> but off to Italy I go to drink a shit ton of wine with my dad. Ciao and stay slutty. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Beducated.com the masterclass platform to perfect your techniques, whether you're working on penis massage or anal orgasms. Use promo code MANHOR to get 40% off their annual membership locked in for life at beducated.com. That's beducated, B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D.com, promo code MANHOR.